there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Mr. Okonga. Mr. Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that's, that. That was unnerving. I'm not. Are you okay? Is everything all right? Yeah. Someone. Do, do you want to talk I'm about joking, joking? I'm only joking because I'm joking because someone sent us um, the transcript to the Stadio Podcast on one of the uh, podcast apps, and it referred to me as Mr. Konga. Oh, and me, Ryan Hen, <laughs> and you as right. Ryan right, Hen, which I thought was great. <laughs> Our alter egos. Yeah, right, Hen. <laughs> How you doing, anyway? How you doing? Well, good, man. Steady away. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very well, actually. I'm very well, and all yeah. the better for quite a good evening of football, I have to say. Well, a couple of evenings. All the better for the noise at San Mamez. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bundesliga, but that is football as it's meant to be. <laughs> what a game that was. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, yeah. So today we are going to do a quick roundup of some stuff. And then we, we, we had a question from someone sent in a little while ago, and it was kind of related to Jabby Alonso. Mm. And I thought that because we did a big, big thing on Leverkusen on Monday, it'd be quite cool to, to use that as like a follow-up. Right. So. Um, so we're going to do all that, um, but some some admin very quickly. Uh, Carl and Florence will be on Righty's house tomorrow, and we'll have a guest as well talking uh, about Afcon. Go check Counterpressed for the Women's Champions League stuff. Should we get onto this roundup quick? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Can we go to the Copa del Rey, please? We can. We must. We must. Let's go to Spain because we didn't mention it on the show on Monday and we should have done because the most stadio transfer <laughs> happened last week. And that was Geraldo Becker leaving Union yes. for Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad. That's <laughs> unreal. That's unreal. Geraldo Becker playing the stadio map out your own career game. Scored on his debut in the Copa del Rey against Celta Vigo. Real Sociedad winning 2-1. Other results from an unbelievable collection of quarterfinals. Mallorca beating Girona 3-2. nil up after 35 minutes. Absolutely cooked them. For all you Canadians out there, shout out your boy Carl Carrin for the first <laughs> goal. 
you know what I love about this goal is that you know when uh, like the cross comes in and it's a, such a casual kind of like side foot finish mm. but the keeper's momentum the keeper doesn't stop and it's almost like I can imagine the striker just going nope it's great to the Canadian thriving in warm conditions to be honest <laughs> why'd you do this to me <laughs> also just a shout out for Abdon Pratt who uh, scored a- an amazing goal for the second for Mallorca and continues to to uh, rock one of the game's great moustaches that was just like, like Mallorca young, like a young Del Bosque <laughs> it, was a ro- it, was, it was a throwback throwback to the um, Etu days wasn't it Mallorca's run in this in this Copa del Rey and against Drone as well who obviously you know league topping and have resources and have been in excellent form just a superb win and the vibe mm. and the atmosphere sounded awesome as well yeah I mean we're recording this ahead of Atleti against Sevilla which is the final game in that those quarterfinals but talking about atmosphere Copa del Rey slightly spicy slightly spicy actually this year let's go to San Mamez because the noise in San Mamez sounded absolutely Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> give me your thoughts on this, Musa Gwanga, quickly. I shouldn't laugh. This is quite mean of me. But the thought of... <laughs> There's something hilarious about a Chavi team being able to impose so little match control. And it's because you go to San Mamez with that atmosphere and there's just nothing you can do about it. You know, it's like the time I came home from... I, was, I used to live in Hackney, right? With, with these, mm. My landlord had these two cats, lived the landlord. And I got back and the two cats were just, there was this, this, these French dogs and they were just on the zoomies. I don't know how long they've been doing that. And I was like, it felt yeah. like that. It felt like just, <laughs> Barcelona got out there and there were 11 cats just zooming at them. And there's not a thing they could do about it for 90 minutes. It felt like that. Like at no point did I feel Barcelona ever had control, which is a damning indictment of Xavi. But as a game of football, it was an all-timer. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Going, going ahead super early. Lewandowski gets an equaliser after basically just... Super weird. Ricochet, ricochet, ricochet after ricochet. Yeah. 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 And then Barcelona actually take the lead with an, an, a really, really, really great goal from Laminia Mal. Who has just norm, who's normalised teenage brilliance. That is... Missed a chance to win it right at the end as well because Athletic Club had got back into it to all. Mm. And that's how it stayed and went into extra time. Uh, at this point, Inyaki Williams had come on after seemingly jumping on the, the first plane out of, out of Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. Wise man. <laughs> got on a plane, got out of there, came back, played the next day. Nico had started the game and uh, Inyaki came on. Inyaki gave them the lead. Up with the uh, follow gave up. Athletic Club the lead. Follow up at the far Played post. a little one-two yeah. off the post and put it away. And then Nico sealed it in Goal of the time. game. Goal of the oh, game. God. That this goal. Was so good. There's an exclamation, there's an exclamation part, mark, wasn't there, on the victory. Brings it down, like, in the middle of all the chaos. I love how the game was chaotic for, like, two hours, and then, in the final moments, ball drops to him, and with the outside of the right foot. So good. Masterpiece. So good. Just uh, how, about the, how, how about this for a stat breakdown? 39% possession to Barcelona's 61%. 4.3 expected goals to Barca's 1.08. 29 shots to Barca's 7. 7 on target to Barca's 4. 7 big chances to Barca's 2. <laughs> I love stat lines like that. 
I love that is a heist. That is a heist. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just love like it. Love that, it. but that is like that is the very, very breakdown of just like you have not got control of the game. Um, that's athletic club. Yeah, that, you know, that's a classic example of we talk about like being out of possession yet in control. Mm. It's a classic example of that when you look at it from athletic club's perspective. When they would have looked at how Bars were going to play against him. And this is a problem for Chavi now. It's a big problem. I think that was the statistic you shared with me just before this uh, podcast. Oh my God, that Sid Lowe posted. Wild, isn't it? So is it Chavi uh, with more defeats now than any other Spanish Barcelona coach? And that's the kind of thing which in isolation means nothing, but also means everything, right? Because nationality shouldn't mean anything inherently. But I think because of Barcelona and the talk about identity and, and Xavi's, you know, constant, and this is not a general Xavi per se, he came into the job and a big part of it was about restoring identity. And you look at Barcelona and yes, there are so many different moving parts, mm. but you can't say they have an identity. You can't really say that, like watching them. And it just feels so makeshift at this point. And Athletic Club, <clears throat> not to take away from them, that is a spectacular victory for them. And such an exciting cup tournament now. Real Sociedad, Athletic Club, Mallorca, and then Atleti or Sevilla. And Atleti with that brilliant win over Real Madrid in the previous round. It's just mm. absolute treat. And a cup competition that just means so much, yeah. Just on that, he, um, Javi, by the way, he, he, he matches uh, Juan Jose Nogues, who coached Barca between 1942 and 1944. Yikes. 25 defeats. It is not good. 25 defeats. Uh, 25 defeats and 121 matches. Uh, that's not good. Well, I mean, there's a league title in there. So, you know, there's, there's that. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, really weird. League titles, but um, but early exits from Europe. Poor, very, very strange. Can I be honest with you? It's a weird enough record that basically it's a coin toss as to whether you, as to whether you keep them or not. Mm. As in, I think what I mean by that is that's positive. That's negative. That sounds negative, but it's actually positive. It's like there was so much. There's so much weird stuff going on and off the field. Mm. There's such turnover. There's such a loss of identity at board level. Mm. that's going to affect what's on the pitch. So actually, are you kind of where you need to be as Barcelona? Are you significantly better or worse? Well, it's, it's hard to tell. I don't know. It's weird looking at this Barcelona team and the collection of players. I have the feeling they should be doing better. That's my instinctive feeling. But also Real Madrid are very good. Maybe playing better, not doing that better. Is, right, that, I mean? yes. That, okay, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a better articulation of it. That's a better articulation mm. of it. I kind of think you hang on to him at this point for a little bit. I mean, you, there's no point getting rid of him now. Right, you know? It's almost about noise, isn't it? If you keep Chavi and bring someone else in, you'll have a lot of the same problems. Unless there's a substantially better coach out there, you don't do it because the noise that that sack can create is noise that actually Barcelona don't need. There isn't really that. Look, I know there's discourse about Xavi, whether he should be there or not, but I think the level of discourse that happens if he's sacked within the next six months, whether it's now or like end of it, I, I just think it's too much, Ryan. Xavi can't get people playing for him. Mm. Then you're going to have to rely on, an out, on, on someone who's maybe not got quote-unquote Barca DNA. And then 
is everyone going to be pulling in the right direction for that person at this point? I'm not so sure. I mean, also, the honest, irony right. of just the irony of uh, Ernesto Valverde stood there in the Athletic Club dugout last night, just watching the side kind of just run rampage and be also, high proficient. Like they could have been so much more. Right. And also that's a horrible job to take in the next two years. I'll tell you why. Lewandowski's 35, Gundogan's 33. Gavi's got the injuries. Yeah, but I, got but injuries. To be honest, it might, I don't, th- I'm, I'm of the belief that I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know if anyone will actually have the patience for it, but I think I said this the other day about that young core. It's just, I think Barca, they need the, the elder guys to, to go, actually. They do, and also, they do, and also the young core. You're absolutely, no, you're absolutely right, don't get me wrong, but they don't have the resources to add brilliant older players to assist the young core as they develop. Mm. So you're going to need bold coaching for the next couple of years, which won't be necessarily results-oriented. You're going to need bold coaching that restores identity gets the young core playing great, exciting football, doesn't necessarily win leagues because Madrid are there and Madrid are a beast and Girona have resources. Mm. And that, the level of patience, it's going to take a level of patience from the Barcelona fan base and boardroom that may be unreasonable to expect, I think, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's, just my, that's my fear for it. That's my fear. Because the Barcelona quick fix, as you think about it, the whole thing was, and it, it's easy because Barcelona's inconsistency is kind of been normalized now that we've forgotten how intense those conversations were about Barcelona have basically mortgaged their future. They have to win now. Mm. And they haven't really. Like, they've spent so much money and mortgaged so much of their future that one league title and early exit is, a me- is, is actually a mediocre return. It is, unfortunately. But amazing night at San Mamés. The noise yeah. there, man, is just, we have, to, oh we have to go to a game at San Mamés. Gotta go. I'm all in. Let's go from one cup competition to another cup competition in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Chelsea putting six past Middlesbrough yep. to turn around the first first leg deficit and win 6-2 on aggregate. How long before we see Ben Chilwell in midfield? <laughs> Just a bit of a shame for Middlesbrough, really. Just a bit of a shame. Um, Chelsea turned it on, but it also felt like Son Middlesbrough's, Middlesbrough's defensive intensity wasn't really there. Just a huge shame. And uh, it's easy to sort of crow about this fiction from one perspective, but you do have to mention the, the massive gap in resources. The, this is the level, I think. You, know, you can see Pochettino coming out, very happy with it, very yeah. effusive. Good to see him using cup competitions as a way to push the team forward. Cole Palmer well, again. This is it, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, li- I like that, and I like yeah. that they're finding some unity in that sense, and there's some quality there. Great. You know, and we said this, it's just a great squad and it's finding them, it's just finding the, the players you can rely on regularly, the core around whom you can build. And obviously Cole mm. Palmer, a great part of that core. Yeah. You know, doing some great things there. Yeah, I mean, um, what is it? Three wins, three, three wins in a row in the league. Uh, they got Villa in the FA Cup tomorrow. Then they've got Liverpool away in the league next week. Mm. So tricky run of fixtures for them coming up, but yeah, encouraging, I think. Yeah. Very much Especially so. off the back of the Fulham result as well. Yeah. Talking of Fulham, yes, segue. Yes. They, uh, this was a good game, actually, Fulham, Fulham, Liverpool. Liverpool kind of took the heat out of it early, though. Kind of, kind of. They managed it well, I think, after the early goal from DS. And Liverpool with a nice little run in this tournament. You've now got the second Chelsea Liverpool Carabao Cup final in quick succession. 
Yeah. A rematch of the 2022 final, where which was responsible for one of the greatest, all the all-time greatest penalties videos posted online from a football match, which was some someone filming the Liverpool fans behind the goal, oh, right. seeing them cheering, and then just in the top left-hand corner, you saw Kepa's ball fly. <laughs> 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 Honestly, what are the greats? I hope that person's directing movies now because that that cinematography was. There was probably beautiful. like a niche. There's probably a niche of. There's a, probably a niche collection of like Spanish penalties flying into space in shootouts. What was the Sergio Ramos one? The first time Sergio Ramos he actually cleared <laughs> <laughs> the memes of it disappearing into like <laughs> in the astronaut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Very, very small niche, but they're all the same. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to this final. I think it'll be a good final. Do you think? I mean, it's hard to predict exactly who will win at the moment because you never know with the Carabao Cup final who will play, who will be rotated, who will be fit, who will be in form. I just, look, I'm just really happy to see Premier League managers taking the Carabao Cup extremely seriously. I'm just happy for that. Like, I just, it'll be a well-contested final, whoever wins it. And I think, actually, it's more of a chance for Chelsea than anything else. They, they you know, it's obvious they need, the Liverpool top of the league, they need this, Chelsea. They really, really need this. Mm. Not as a kind of return on investment, actually. It's beyond that. It's more of a... Do it for Kepa. Yeah, do it for Kepa. Avention. <laughs> it will be um, something to underline the progress they feel they're making or what they can be. And it'll be yeah. a big deal for them. Yeah. Chelsea Liverpool finals actually kind of always deliver as well. They kind of do. Ever since the Mar- Mourinho and Gerard, Mourinho with the finger on the lips. <laughs> I just want, uh, with games like this, I just want red cards and goals. That's all I want. <laughs> what we want, Russo. All we really want is red cards and goals. Any football fan, ask yourself, look deep inside your soul and ask what you really want from the game. Because people don't really want trophies. They don't really want new signings. All anyone wants in football are red cards and goals. That's all they want. And if you say any different, I don't want to call you a liar, but you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of red cards and a single goal, how about that for a segue? Let's go to Munich because yes. Bayern beat Union 1-0 in the rescheduled fixture. Mm. 0-0 in the first half. Yes. And Union, I thought, played quite well in that first I, half. I was impressed by them. They tried that smash yeah. and grab from the kickoff with um, mm. Gosen slashing over the bar and then had to sit deep. The thing that was most impressive about this, and I think that Bayern had over 70% possession pretty much all game. The impressive thing about Union was there were some passages of play until about 10 minutes from half time where they would try and pass their way out of trouble, which mm. I thought was extremely impressive. Down the ghosts, down the left flank, most of the trouble came down that flank. And that's they got attacked because I think, you know, the thinking was Gosens pushes forward a bit more. There's a bit more space there, a bit more of an attacker than a defender, maybe from their perspective. But I really liked how assured they were. They only really allowed them a couple of decent sniffs. There was the Coman chance and the Delict chance. Other than that, they denied them quality opportunities. And there was, there was one moment I was watching this game and Jamal Musiala, you see the respect, <laughs> the respect you don't have for this man. You look up mm. and the man was surrounded by like a phalanx of like five Union defenders at any one point. I mean, that is supreme. The man was well marshaled. So Union first half defensively really solid. I thought Crow was superb. He went off with the 15 to go and he put in an, an absolute shift. There was one bit actually, you saw how exhausting Union's defence was about 10 minutes from half time. 
it was the first time Gosens was beaten. And then they were like, there was, I think Guerrero gets a shot off and there were like five yards between the nearest Bayern and Union defender. And you just saw the body language from Union. You're like, they've been doing this concentrated for 34, 35 minutes nonstop. And the first half was 50 minutes long. It was grueling. Mm. So I, just, I, know, I know they lost, but if you look at that first half, what Union did, that is as intense an examination as they're going to get, I think, uh, this season. So they can really draw from that, I think. How did you, how did you feel about the... Yeah, no, I thought, I, thought, I thought they were... I thought Union were really good, and I thought Bayern were not at their fluid best, but I think the, the, just the main thing for them, I think, was to win this game. You know, it's a tricky mm-hmm. rescheduled one in midweek, in between two Bundesliga fixtures. You know, poor result on the weekend. Just get it done, get it out of the way. Yeah. The performance was good. I thought they could have had a couple more. I, I also think Union just should have had a penalty. I'm, I cannot believe what how that What on earth was going at Liner on, on Behrens? That is... Yeah, there was a chance straight after it, but I still mm. think that just needs to be pulled back and given a penalty. Dude, that, that was... I don't... I don't. Where... How did that not... Yeah. Behrens couldn't see him virtually, so it wasn't yeah, even it like was, it was... Yeah. yeah. It looked so clear that I was baffled and even, even the commentators, they, mm. they were utterly baffled by it. Yeah. Bielitsa getting sent off for uh, pushing Leroy Zane in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Not you cool. See that, no, and that's the... Did it twice not, as well, actually. Strange. Like, it was like such a loss of control and like such a kind of... That was like a level of aggression. Look, I know Union are under pressure. I know that like the penalty should... And it was like two minutes after the context is two minutes after the penalty mm. decision came and went. But you saw that and you're like, wow, dude, this is... Um, you need to talk to someone about that because that's a, that is not a reaction you need even to that level of pressure. Who was straight in there protecting his boy? Eric Dyer. <laughs> He's settled in quick, hasn't he? I mean, he actually has. Have you seen his interview? No, you're joking. He's doing a German accent already. He arrived just in time too because the Pamacano hamstring injury. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, um, yeah, it looked, looked pretty bad. It looked like a bad one for Pamacano as well. Kim is, Kim's at the uh, Asian Cup. So the problem now, Kim and Jay's at the Asian Cup. So now you have that thing with Bayern. The build-up is so important for them. You saw actually in the early stages of this Union game, they're really trying to punch the ball around and try and get it through gaps. Mm. And missing centre-backs that can really pass well in the build-up, that's going to be interesting for them. Augsburg next. Augsburg coach in the crowd, taking careful notes. The, troubles, <laughs> the troublesome neighbour. <laughs> yeah, Derby week. I wish I could just, you know, I should do, I should sit in, I should sit in on other podcasts before I record my own. So wow. I'm on right, I'm on right, just because, you know, like, just intimidation factor, like someone, someone write his house next week, I'll just sit there watching me like, yeah, I'm on the next podcast, I'm watching Just you. pop up on the Zoom, yeah, just, just say nothing, and yeah, then exactly. just leave. Yeah. Interesting. You don't think that's a vibe? No. I think it's quite right. menacing and, yeah. and it's concerned me a little bit that you've even brought that up as a possibility and I'm questioning my decision to start a podcast with you because are you really the person I thought you knew? That sounds quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, apart from that, all good. Should we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so on that note, uh, oh, a quick shout. Harry Kane got a goal disallowed, by the way, which meant that he couldn't break Lewandowski's Hinrunde record. Mm. because uh, this was technically a game from the first half of the season rescheduled. Mm. Anyway, it means that Bayern are four points, cl- uh, four points behind undefeated Leverkusen. 
Um, however, they have got a 10-point gap over third place Stuttgart. So, again, that game in Leverkusen coming up 10th of February. Put that in your calendars, everyone. You watch it be a nil-nil draw now, which will actually be a great result for Leverkusen. It would. It would. Before we move on, uh, two, well, a few, actually, historic results right, right. and progressions in AFCON and the Asian Cup. Yes. Start with uh, Asian Cup because the results there are, I think, a bit bigger. So, seismic. Yeah. yeah. So, the first ever time that Palestine and Syria have gone through to the last 16 of the Asian Cup, Palestine beating Hong Kong 3 0 for their first win in the tournament, I think, and Syria beating India 1 0 with Hector Cooper, formerly of the Valencia Parish. And considering what the players in Palestine in particular have been going through, particularly in the last few months, some of them actually from Gaza. It's just a remarkable achievement in that respect. How these players have managed to play football with everything that's going on back home for them. Yeah. It's kind of beyond comprehension. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mohammed Salah broke down afterwards um, and he was asked if he thought that news of the qualification would reach Gaza and he said that he hoped his family knows. Mm. And what these players have been dealing with, I just think it's, it's unimaginable. Yeah. And just an unbelievable achievement to progress to the next in the next round for sure. Uh, but there was also a first progression in Afcon as well. There was, there was Mauritania coming through one nil against neighbours Algeria, with whom they share a very large border. Lots of bragging rights, I'm sure, exchanged via social media and other chatting apps of choice. But yeah, really impressive for Mauritania. So Algeria, the 2019 Afcon champions. Who's, who are captained by Riyad Mahrez, no less. So a really, a huge coup for Mauritania. You just saw at the end how much it meant to them, uh, to the players. So extraordinary victory for them. They'll be facing Cape Verde in the next round, one of my favourite teams to watch. It's only a shame those two confront each other because, you know, two teams of the tournament have great stories behind them. So congratulations to Mauritania. That's going to be your pick. That's the one you're going to be watching. I think so. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hipster's favourite. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about Leverkusen and Jabby Alonso before. We also talked about him on the last podcast. We had a question uh, in our inbox from a little while ago from Dan Helmschild. I hope I pronounced that right, Dan. Dan said... Seeing what Jabby Alonso has done at Leverkusen has been incredible, as you've both pointed out. That team is humming. We don't even, we don't know yet if he is going to mature into a Guardiola or Klopp level manager, but it seems that the sky is the limit, giving his strategic acumen and ability to connect to the players. So I'm wondering who the next Jabby Alonso might be. What players are roaming around the pitch right now who will, in five years' time, be transforming a club before our eyes as their next manager? I'd be excited to hear your predictions for the next Jabby, i.e. An, an, about a thir- around a 35-year-old player, Braded Spice, which clubs will they transform? Oh my God, that's such an amazing question. Okay, so the first thing, the the obvious one, and this is a cheat because I've heard Pep Guardiola say it, is Ilkay Gundogan. Mm. That's the obvious one, and that's a cheat because Pep's basically said, and they're like, that guy's an unbelievable thinker, and the players around him have said it. So that's the obvious answer. Sorry to be boring and safe, but I think it's important to say that just because someone who, because also the thing about footballers now, 
They, a lot of them don't need the money. It's really hard imagining them even because with what they're earning, it's hard imagining people going on and actually becoming brilliant coaches. You've got to really, really want to do it. That's, that's, that's it. Is anyone else you can see in that bracket? Uh, ironically, I think someone underneath, playing underneath Javi Alonso at the moment, I actually think Granit Xhaka. I've just got a feeling that Granit Xhaka is going to be a good manager. International or club? I imagine he, I can imagine him starting in, in Switzerland, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, like Basel or something. Yeah. And like Champions League, beating a couple of big teams winning a league or two domestic league and like, you know, maybe not qualifying from the group stages, but actually particularly at home, beating a good team here or there. Yeah, I can see that. That's a great shout. Granite Chaka. Because I think there's a, I think there's a reason why he's gone there. And also I think I've talked about this before and I don't want to make this Arsenal centric, but there's a reason why so many managers in a row trusted him. Mm. When everyone, <laughs> like everyone just used to slag him off, media, fans, everything. You know, I like that because he's someone who's, and this is why I was saying Milner, for example, or Milner maybe, not necessarily as a manager, but as a coach, because you've been in that many dressing rooms and you're tactical, like Milner's, James Milner's tactical now is off the scale, right? He's had an elite education from so many, and I think under Herrera, maybe also in that bracket too. You've had an elite footballing education, all the people you've played under, different positions, everyone respects you. You command that respect. I'm not, and I don't know what Milner's ambitions are in a coaching sense. I just feel like he's someone who, if he turned up coaching an English team and they were quietly playing brilliant football, and after about a year and a year and a half, I was actually, James is getting it done. I think he could be someone really interesting. I yeah. think James Milner could be a great manager. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Just theory. like just smart and like just the respect in the nous. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of buzz about Michael Carrick originally, wasn't there? And yeah. I know that Middlesbrough aren't doing incredible in the championship and I don't watch enough of them to, to tell you exactly why. Mm. But um, I mean, if someone was, if someone seemed to have the temperament and obviously the, the game intelligence to transfer that into a manager, then it's Michael Carrick. Right. And I, I'm, I'm, he's someone who I actually, who I'm actually very, very, very interested to see how his managerial career goes because technically part of the England golden generation, I suppose, right? Yes, yes. Technically. Mm. But was almost, if Gerard and Lampard, etc., Rio, Ferdinand, people like that were all, you know, the cool kids who sat together on the dinner table at school lunch. I can imagine Michael Carrick being the one who was a little bit cooler, but people didn't realise he was cool until they all left school. He wore Puma boots at a time and they weren't cool. You yeah. think about that. Like, if you think about that whole, and it sounds like a weird thing to draw, but like, he really was someone who just stuck out in all these strange ways. He didn't play football at the same speed as anyone else. Mm. And not, not that, you know, it looked like almost like um, diffident. Body language seemed like almost unbothered. And then you look around and like, hang on a minute. If they'd had that guy, I've said this a thousand times, if, if they'd used Carrick as the six for several years and let everyone else run right around, if they used, they used Skulls and, and Lampard as the two eights, and had Gerard as a second strike and let him just run, like run right, like wreak havoc. That was quite an interesting team. Mm. They never really let it go. They never really cut loose and let that happen. Mm. So yeah, like I think. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested yeah. to see where, and I know Dan's question kind of asked specifically what clubs, and I think going back to Ilkay Gundogan, I think there's a point in the future where you see, I mean, I'm really interested to see what the next few years at uh, uh, Dortmund is like, and I don't think it will happen then, but 
Nui Shine has already had managerial experience and I wonder whether he will be Dortmund manager at some point. With a view to City at some point too, I think. I'm not I, in, maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think for, 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 for Ilkay Gundogan, I think Dortmund makes a lot of sense or, you know, he could go even mega old school and do Nuremberg, you know. Mm. And, uh, Dortmund, 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 um, Dortmund for Gundogan. I like that. And I just want to throw in as well before I, do you reckon Inaki Williams is going to pop up as a coach? You know, I say this because every player we've talked about is someone who is that combination of they're stars, yes, but they're like, they're also extreme grafters who were good at winning ugly, we didn't, didn't care about their numbers. Like each one, Gundogan, Milner, um, Inaki Williams, the stat sheet was not their obsession. They were team first. They were absolutely mm. team first. It's why you might even throw, if Busquets ever wanted to coach, you might put him in that category too. These are people who did not care what it said on the stat sheet. I think that's the thing about the great managers, a lot of them. They, there's a selflessness to them and they saw the game this holistic view of the game in terms of that, the Carlo Ancelotti thing. So I just think that's the profile of player. Because when we're talking about like, you know, Dan said like, you know, what managers you think, I think you need to start with what the criteria, what's, what kind of footballers were they? Was the understanding of the game? That was, a, you know, there's a 10 in all the cases of players you've named. Was there a selflessness in their game? That's a 10. We've done mostly midfielders now. Iñaki's obviously a striker, but from a central defensive point of view I, I actually have a bit of a feeling that Virgil van Dijk could be a really good manager and and I can imagine him something it's the authority something, isn't it the authority yeah and just the calmness you know can you imagine him eventually just being like Celtic manager it'd just be like dude a van Dijk press conference <laughs> the levels yep love that I think love Virgil that. van Dijk would be I mean he's 32 um and actually, it kind of, like, I think there are a few centre-backs who could be, who could turn out to be really good managers, actually. Mm. There's something else going on. I want to throw this in the, in the mix as well. There's something else about attacking midfielders who are brilliant, who don't quite achieve their full potential for various reasons. Maybe they moved to the wrong club at the wrong time or had injuries. Mm. And surprise you. So I, I, I mean someone like Marcelo Gallardo. When he came through at River Plate, he was so exciting as a player. I loved watching him and he didn't quite have the career as an attacker that he needed. And it almost felt like his managerial career was unfinished business, not in a selfish mm. sense, but as in, I want to still impart so many of my ideas and philosophy on the game. And this is a bit of a, this is a complete, like, what's the word? Um, I'm going to throw this out there. But I'd be intrigued to see what James Madison was like as a coach, actually. Mm. And I say that because James Madison. Because, do, you know I, do you know I say that? Incredible charisma. Absolutely hilarious. Ange loves him. Went to a different level under Ange. Like just immediately got in and then just got it. And like tactically is brilliant. Doesn't mind playing whatever position has. It. And I just think he's, he's so smart. And I think he would be a really good... I think he's a really good leader. If you consider this, like it was early in the season and Madison... I think he'd be a really good assistant, James Madison. I want to see him in some kind of coaching capacity. I want to see him in yeah. some kind of capacity. I'm not saying like a Premier League club, but just him coaching aside, because there's, there's a thing about certain types of manager where they fall victim to a certain rep. You have with Terry Venables, he was seen as this kind of, oh, like Wheeler Dealer or like Harry Redknapp. They hate that because the perception of them as these like blokey people actually hit a really smart tactical nows. 
and the speed at which Madison, and I don't forget, went through big adversity with Leicester, didn't score for ages, was really struggling. I'm just thinking the speed at which he took up ideas under Ange mm. and made that team look frightening. I'm like, that's a, that's a super smart player. So I, he's my kind of like, he's my chaotic, he's my chaotic fave, but I think I'd love to see James Madison coach a team. I think it'd be really interesting. So yeah, that's my that's my hot take. I mean, it would be absolutely interesting. You're not you're not wrong at all. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't I don't think it would be some unhinged like kicking over dustbins like after a bad defeat. I think he'd be really quite. I think he'd surprise us. Bojan is someone who I would keep an eye on because, but not necessarily in a in a managerial point of view. I think he's because he's um he's back at Barcelona as a coordinator now, um, and he's I overlooking. Like, He's overlooking uh, stuff at La Masia. I really like that. Easy to forget how good he was when he burst on and how much potential he had. And, um, yes. you know, he's still only 33 years old. Brilliant mind. Smart, smart player. And, and it'd be, I think it'd be, uh, yeah, I think it'd be really good. Someone who maybe, I think it's quite interesting seeing these players who've come through and maybe haven't hit the heights that they, you know, he only played once for Spain. This is what I mean. That's, and there's, some, there's something to be said for players that didn't quite achieve what they wanted to as players, you know, whatever, and not necessarily for their own. And then the sense of unfinished business. I'm intrigued by that. I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Tony Kroos. If, if Tony Kroos can be bothered, he could be a manager. I, the only thing is, I just don't think he has, I think he has the tactical chops for it. I don't think he has the man management chops for it. <laughs> I just don't think he's... I just think he can't, I just don't. I mean, I can see him like running his academy I mean, I've said this before, mm. like, just take your academy in-house at Adidas. <laughs> and just, I, I, I genuinely think he's, a, he, I think he's a really good example of someone that should take, you know, if he can, or there's, I don't know what the partnership agreement, arrangement is, but someone like him just wandering around the Adidas complex or whoever, whichever club is lucky enough to have him. I think he just, he just needs to be, he's like one of those, like, um, these, like, visiting professors that are just, you know, this, this mate of mine who just, like, basically, like, he basically just a swan about. And I think you need that kind of person just wandering about, looking over training sessions. Oh, Tony's here today. The class is like all excited. Like, I think that kind of person. I think he'd be really, really good to just sort of drop in and be like, really good to see you working on a game, try this out and then bounce again. I think he'd be mm. great, you know. Do you know who I want to be a manager? So much. So, so, so much. And I want them to eventually... I want to see them in the dugout at Hertha. Oh no, God, God. Tony Rudiger. Oh my. God. I want Tony Rudiger to be a manager so much, Bruce. Wow. I've just realized that I'm not sure I've ever wanted anything more in football. <laughs> Apart from red cards and goals. Tony Rudiger in the Bundesliga as a manager. I mean, he's only 30 years old, right? So this is like at least a decade away. But like, I don't know. I get the impression that he would be quite fun as a manager. I think also he's, again, someone who is, he's been in a variety of dressing rooms in a variety of contexts. Won a lot. Has, has, has won a lot, has seen a lot, was underrated. Yeah. It's those players who've had that chip on their shoulder. They've been underrated. They've, they've had that adversity because the ones that don't have the adversity can't handle it in management because it's the first time they've, they've, been, they've been seen as flawed and they really struggle with that level of, because you see it, those players who had flawless careers, virtually flawless, and they're managers and they can't score a spectacular goal to get themselves out of trouble. Mm. They can't, they're reliant on other people and they can't handle that. And I think 
Rudiger's a great example of someone who's had enough knocks to really be, and we, poor Dan, we haven't really answered the question in terms of clubs they developed, but let's just throw, let's throw some speculative ones out. So I think Milner at Leeds, I think he'd be great. Uh, Hometown club. James Madison. Came through there. James Madison. I mean, maybe a league Leicester. one club to start with. Le- Leicester again. Why not? Well, why not actually? Why not? James, Ma- James Madison at Leicester. Why not for argument's sake? Rudiger at Hertha. James- yeah, you could, you could take James Madison to Coventry. That's good. Yeah, those are pretty. Those are good clubs. Where he came through. Good names, good clubs. Basically, all of these players just going back to their hometown clubs <laughs> and bringing <laughs> them all through. Hometown you know, glory. That'd be great. That'd be great. I love that question, by the way. I know we probably haven't answered it f- super duper duper in detail, but it was just fun to, to think of some. We didn't. We didn't even think of any names before that. We just came up with that then. So. Nice to think of some stuff in real time. Yeah, yeah. But, um, Next, I'll have a pen and yeah. paper because that was that was a that was a that was a zinger. Well, actually, I mean, why don't people make? Why don't you email email us hello at stadio.football Who you think will make the next? Who you think like the players playing at the moment? Who you think will be the next great managers? Mm. Fun, and what clubs they'll do it at? Just a fun game. Maybe we'll try and read a couple out. Um, but I reckon that'll do us for today. Yeah, yeah. Um, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are. And uh, don't forget to check Counter Press. Don't forget to check Wright's House. And uh, don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on this episode with Bunzu Sounds, track called Zinabu. Anything you would like to add, Musak Wonga? Nothing further. All right, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Much love. And we will be back with you on Monday. See you then.